Welcome to HashiCast, the self-proclaimed number one podcast about the world of DevOps practices, tools, and practitioners. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of HashiCast. Today, we have our newest developer advocates, Rob and Kareem, on the show. Let's get some introductions and chat about their experiences with the HashiCorp tools. So, Kareem, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Hey, Jackie. Thanks for having us today. Um, so yeah, so my name is Kareem. Uh, I joined HashiCorp roughly, what is it, two, two and a half months ago as a developer advocate, where I get to focus on Terraform, which pretty much has been my professional life for the past six, seven years, I think since 0 0.4. Excited to be here and excited to work with you all. We're really excited to have you. And how about you, Rob? Yeah, uh, thanks, Jackie. So um, again, uh, I think I joined HashiCorp about a week after Kareem, so uh, we're noobs. Um, yeah, just like Kareem, I'm really happy to be here. Uh, so uh, I'm also known as DevOps Rob when I'm doing stuff well. Um, when I'm doing stuff badly, it's uh, Roberto DeVoopsie. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm going to be focused mainly on Vault. So hopefully there's not many DevOopsie moments in that because it is secrets management. Um, I'm really excited to be here. I've been working with Vault for a number of years and um, it's just a really good opportunity to develop a product that I absolutely love. So I guess jumping right in, you were both in consulting roles prior to joining the team. And Rob, I know we've talked a little bit more about this, so we'll start with you, but what inspired you to make the jump into developer relations? Ah, well, it's funny you say we've spoken about it. Kareem and I have spoken about this and shared many stories. Um, so I think it's very different. With, with consultancy, you're there to serve the needs of a business. Um, and sometimes the business doesn't really know what it is they want or they need and it's kind of your job to try and steer them in the right direction and that's that's a really difficult kind of task and sometimes what i've realized is the direction of a tool so in my case vault um, is kind of going in a certain direction and businesses aren't quite ready to move into that direction yet so you can find yourself kind of firefighting with a lot of politics in that sense um, so i think i just kind of got to the point where I love the tool so much. I want to sort of be part of the future of, of where the tool is going. And I would rather the politics that I'm dealing with was more to do with stage fright and getting up there to speak about the tool rather than uh, trying to convince um, business owners that this is, this is the way to do things and it's the best thing for their use case and so on and so forth. Um, and ultimately, I think I just love to help people, which is why I got into consulting anyway. But I think in this role, I, I can probably help a much broader range of people. Um, so that's predominantly the reason why I made the decision to switch from consulting to advocacy. Yeah, I think what Rob says brings true for many parts for me too. I think as a consultant, you're already sort of in developer relations. It's more one-on-one, -on -one, it's more you and the company you consult with, but you're still trying to help folks build up a system that will work when you leave. And generally you're there for three to six months and hopefully when you leave, nothing crashes and they can continue using it. So it's really about building out best practices and helping them understand the tools, helping them understand what they could be getting from 
the tools they're already using or why they should be using other tools. Yeah, that's pretty much that, I think. Thanks. So you've both been in the position for about two months now. And what were some of the resources you were using when you were getting started? Oh, that's an easy one. For me, it was uh, pretty much everyone in my team and the company. Our onboarding program has been amazing. And you get a chance to talk to probably 30 to 50 people just in the first two weeks. Everyone is super welcoming. And whenever you have a question, you can go directly to the source, which can be intimidating, but it's also super educational. So I'd say the main resource, and I hate referring to people as a resource, but it would be my colleagues. I'll just latch on to that as well. Um, so basically, Kareem, you need to get out of my head because uh, he stole my response. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to echo what you're saying, that the people are definitely um, the best resource. Like you say, I hate referring to them as that, but it's it's been, for me, better than any documentation I could have read. I mean, the documentation has been great, and I really encourage people to read that. But ultimately, just speaking to people and asking them their experiences, and sometimes they might not even know the answer, but they can point you in the right direction, or they can share in the learning journey with you. Um, both are equally as powerful. Uh, so that's been really, really important to me. Um, yeah, I, I'd say that's probably my go-to. I believe that when you were both in your consulting roles priorly, you were working with the products that you're working on now. Just correct me if that's wrong. Yes, yeah? Correct. That's yes. more correct. Perfect. So you've got some experience already working with those in a practitioner setting. How do you continue to learn in order to stay on top of that product in your role and to keep pushing the boundaries of what you know of it? For me, it's a lot of going back to the drawing board, going back to the documentation. And despite having access internally to resources that not every practitioner has, whenever I build an example case or you know a, a tutorial, I want to work with the exact same information everyone has access to. Because that allows me to see where our documentation might be missing something or might be confusing. And so for me, that's how I learn. That's how I see, wait, this command is missing something. Let's add that. And you go from there. Mine's similar. Uh, I guess they hired uh, Kareem and I for similar reasons because we seem to think the same. It's just I'm based in the UK and he's, he's based over in the Netherlands. But I digress. Um, so I think some of the things that that's really worked for me is, um, again, like Kareem said, the documentation. So anytime I have to do something, which I may have done a thousand times before, if it's just for demo purposes, I will actually just step-by-step step follow the documentation and it helps me to find holes in it or um, maybe some gaps that, because uh, writing documentation is difficult. When, when you write a feature or you write a tool, you know so much about it that your mind automatically slips into this state of assumption that people know the things that you do. Um, so it helps just going through the guide where you can catch certain errors and you, a lot of my pull requests are actually documentation updates at the moment. Um, so that's an important one. And um, where time permits, I, I actually jump on like Zoom sessions with, with community members if they're having issues um, and I'll just work for it with them. Uh, but the, the entry fee for that is you must post it on discuss.hashicorp.com. You know, as long as you do that, you stand a chance of winning the grand prize of a boring evening with Roberto De Vupsi. 
you touched a little bit on how you're in the UK and Kareem's in the Netherlands, which is fun because I'm actually starting this podcast from the East Coast and well, East Coast time zone in Toronto. How have you found joining a distributed global team to be so far? For me, it's interesting. It's um, definitely split the day into two parts. You know, you've got the part where Europe is awake. Uh, and generally, I find that I get a lot more stuff done before the East and West Coast wakes up. And then after it's generally meetings and more or less coding stuff, actually. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I break up my day based on geography as well. So um, first thing in the morning for me, I have Kareem annoying me um, as well as uh, Eric and Nick uh, because they're in sort of my time zones. Um, and then I get peace and quiet maybe for a couple of hours. And then uh, my beautiful US and Canadian folks come online. And that normally takes me up until the evening. But I think I think the cool thing is um, it's, it's remote work. We... Um, we can kind of work around our lives. Uh, so if I have stuff to do, if I have to go and cut the grass or something like that, um, I can just go and do that. Um, it might mean I'm working a little bit later on in the day, but you know, it just means I get to spend time with with folks from across the globe. And I also get to do the things that I need to do to uh, maintain my own personal life as well. So I think just working in a role like this gives you the perfect opportunity to live a balanced and happy lifestyle. Um, and as you can see, uh, my skin is glowing. Talking about globally distributed teams, it's something that's been really nice for me is that we have this distributed team. So if we're in crunch time, I get to be working on something during my day. And then the evening, I can pass it off to my teammate, who's also in Europe. He can take the mantle on that for a little bit. And then I wake up and we've actually progressed it a little bit further. And that's something that we were doing for the keynote. So speaking of keynotes, before we get to talking about HashiConf, you both actually spoke as community members at HashiTalks, correct? That's correct. Indeed. How did you find that opportunity to kind of come in as community members and speak during a 24-hour virtual conference? Honestly, it was fun. I mean, Katie is doing such a tremendously amazing job with that, getting 24 hours of content. We just had uh, HashiTalks Japan. We've got the next one coming up. Uh, we had HashiTalks Africa. Maybe one day we'll have one for Germany. Who knows? It's Speaking there is a ton of fun. You get your slot, 30 minutes. You get to talk about something you're excited about, and you know the audience is somebody, is a group of people that will also be using the tool, so you get good feedback. And I think that makes your presentation strong if you ever give it again, but it also reaches the right people. I think for me, my experience was probably different to, to most. Um, because firstly, let me just shout out HashiCorp because I've written so many CFPs in my time and it was the first one that has ever been accepted. So thank you very much. Right? Um, so, you know, I was destined to be here. But I think, yeah, my, my experience is probably uh, a lot different to most people's because um, me being based in the UK, uh, it was decided that they would actually host the UK-based talks live in person at the uh, Hug, uh, which is awesome. So I actually gave mine uh, to an audience of, I don't know, maybe 150 to 200 people, roughly, um, which is pretty cool. Um, the only disappointing thing is um, 
I got my hair cut, you know, and I was wearing my best T-shirt. I even ironed it and everything like that, thinking that the world is going to see this beautiful DevOps Rob. And the only people that saw it was the uh, 200 or so people that were in the crowd. Uh, but my wife was there, so I guess that makes it all right. But yeah, it was it was a really good experience. Um, one of the first times I've spoken to a, an audience that big. Um, so I think that was actually pretty good for me for um, in terms of preparation for HashiConf and some of the things that we were doing there. Um, so yeah, I really loved it. And uh, I definitely encourage anyone uh, who is new to speaking or, or experienced either way, just to uh, submit a CFP for upcoming events and um, take advantage of the opportunity because HashiCorp offer a lot of support uh, in terms of preparation. We did have sort of speaker tutorials and uh, with some really good speakers from the industry. Um, so yeah, I definitely encourage it. And I, I thank HashiCorp and Katie especially for all the work that, that was put into it to uh, make me do my awesomeness. Now you're reading my mind and stealing my thoughts. Um, so I guess I'll just ask Kareem, <laughs> which is, <laughs> I guess, coming into this, what would be some advice you have for any of our listeners who might be thinking about submitting, but just aren't quite sure about doing it yet? So there's a couple of things you can do. One, you can just email the community team and see if we can set up a call. Uh, my colleague Taylor and I will be on our next podcast. We just had one a week ago with a community member who was suggesting was considering submitting something and wasn't really sure. And it was a truly amazing demo of some BI stuff. And, you know, just giving somebody a chance to essentially pair through the presentation really makes it easy and takes the stress away. I'll just add to that. Um, so, so, I mean, uh, essentially, that's, that's, that's the reason why we joined HashiCorp because we want to help people. Um, and that help doesn't just extend to the the products that we have and the tools. Um, we want to help people. So if you are interested in engaging in the community, I want to help you engage in the best way possible. So if that comes in a form of a CFP, um, I mean, as I said, I've only ever had that first one accepted, so I'm no expert, but I will still help, you know. And uh, if it doesn't get accepted, I'm sure it's not because of the, the quality of, of the CFP. There are so many great submissions for most of these events. And I'm glad I'm not the person that has to select from all these awesome submissions. Um, but there's so much that can be learned from that. And uh, you uplifted is me uplifted. If you learn something, I learn something too. So I'm, I'm always there to, to help help you. And in turn, that will help myself as well. And this isn't just limited to HashiTalks. I mean, we'll help you with any HashiCorp-related content for any kind of conference. And I think that's the most important part. You know, no matter if you're speaking at our event or another company's events, if you're talking about our tools, feel free to reach out to us and we'll help you make it a stronger presentation. We won't even charge you a HashiCorp coin for that. I think that's something that's really nice about our team is I've seen pretty much everybody at some point tweet out a volunteer to do CFP review or to help somebody that wants to get into this. Um, so coming out of speaking as a community member at HashiTalks, what was it like coming into, well, HashiConf and being a part of the closing keynote? <laughs> okay, I'll go first on this one. Um, Doing the closing keynote was certainly a very different experience to HashiTalks. Um, they said, join HashiCorp, it'll be fun, you know, and it was fun. 
it has different challenges. I think you, you're working with, uh, like we touched on earlier on, you're working with a globally distributed team. Uh, there are different time zones. Um, so overcoming some of those challenges uh, can be tough. Um, but ultimately, when it's all said and done and we think back to the experience, it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of laughs. We've got um, we've got our own private bloopers, um, which we were sharing amongst the team in Slack. Yeah, it, it, it was really cool. Um, yeah, kind of looking forward to the next closing keynote. <clears throat> I think my nose just grew a little bit. <laughs> I think what's interesting is that it's a virtual event, right? HashiConf Digital. And you expect, you know, looking at the schedule, it's uh, what, four hours of content per day. But really, you're just as tired with this virtual event as you would be with a normal event. And that's something that I didn't expect beforehand. Definitely. Yeah, it was definitely a lot, especially with the keynote. I know Rob was emceeing. We had these pop-up meetups that we were engaging with the community on things that they wanted to talk about. And there was, there was a lot going on, but it was such a great experience. <laughs> At least I thought it was. <laughs> I think it was cool to see how everyone engaged and kept the conversations going. And when you consider that up until what was it, six weeks before the show, we were planning on still having a real event. So, you know, minimal time to build this whole platform. And yet it worked. High quality video, different tracks. Pretty awesome DJ, if you ask me. Um, yeah, altogether, definitely one of the better digital events. I concur. Definitely concur with that. Um, I think the team did a fantastic job to turn it around. I think when you add the timescales that they're working with uh, into that, it just makes it even more fantastic. But even if they had had a year to do that, um, I couldn't have imagined it being any more awesome than it already was. Um, so they did that in six weeks. <sighs> yeah, I found my heroes. It's really exciting that we get to work with them. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's the one thing you've learned since starting that you think more people should really know about? Definitely lint your code. Like half the time I review code, even my own, you know, and or you think like, hey, maybe I should clean this up a little. GitHub actions are great for this, any CI tool, pre-commit. There's so many options and there's literally not a single reason to not have standards complying code. I think for me it's actually far less technical than that, right? Um, it's writing RFCs. So it's the first time I've actually done it before. Um, and I think what the RFC allows you to do is firstly, get your thoughts out from your head onto a piece of paper, uh, which is important. I think secondly, you gain a lot of sanity in your thought process by doing that. Because uh, as you type stuff out, you realize wait, hold on, this is absolutely crazy. Am I really thinking this? Or, oh, actually, this this is uh, even more awesome than I actually thought. And then you get out of your own way. You, you put it out there and people comment on it and you, you get you get to have your opinion challenged or your, your position challenged. And, you know, I only see that as a positive thing. I think you always grow from, from these challenges there. You always learn. And ultimately, if you have... Uh, diverse thought process that goes into building something um 
it, it can only be uh, a success in my opinion. So I think definitely the process of documenting and uh, I say RFC specifically, but just documentation in general and just writing things down is um, something I've never really been that good at. Um, and I'm probably still not great at it, but um, I'm trying and I'm quite happy to uh, keep going down that path. It really is like a skill all in of itself. Um, that was the worst way to say that, but that's okay. <laughs> in and <laughs> of <definitely>. itself. <laughs> um, oh yeah, I guess. So the really cool thing about the RFCs I've found since I joined is that we keep pretty much all of them as far as I can tell. So it's been really neat to be able to go back and see conversations that were had or decisions that were made around different features or products, especially having been a practitioner. Um, I don't really think there's anywhere else to go with that. Did you stay awake for it? Because I've definitely, I've definitely read some documentation and fell asleep. You know, some of them are going to so much intelligent detail that my little old brain can never comprehend that, and I'm like, uh, I need a nap. <laughs> There's been some conversations where you get to pick the brains of the people behind the products, and it's just absolutely mind bending. It's just like, how did you come up with this? <laughs> Definitely. I guess, have you had, had any favorite moments around that? Uh, yes, I have. Um, so I want to give a big shout out to, I hope I say a surname right, Andy Minuske. Minuske? Minuske. Andy, I'm really sorry. Yeah, you know I love you. Um, Andy is, is, firstly, he's a phenomenal guy. Um, and he is one of many brains behind uh, HashiCorp Vault. Um, so I've had a few conversations with him and one of the things I love about talking to Andy is I always feel like when, when I come out of a conversation with him, I'm uh, a more knowledgeable person than I went into a conversation with him. I always learn something from him. He's always very happy to um, share his knowledge and he has deep expertise in things like cryptography, for example, areas that uh, I have always struggled to and just ultimately have given up on trying to learn um, because it's such a complicated mathematical topic um, and he just seems to explain such complex uh, concepts with so much ease and simplicity. Um, so I really admire that and um, I also want to give a big shout out to uh, Jeff Mitchell as well. Um, he, he's one of my legends, um, another one of the brains behind Vault. Um, and lucky enough, I had the chance to speak with him during HashiConf, uh, during a live uh, discussion panel. Um, so yeah, that's uh, my claim to fame, I guess. Vault fame, that is. I think for me, calling out one single colleague, I, I just couldn't do it because there's so many that have helped me. Terraform is also a little bit different because it has so many different providers. But just getting a chance to work both with internal engineers and external ones answering questions and essentially having a setting where you can ask any type of question. Nothing is too silly. That really helps. And that's to me, probably one of the uh, most amazing things. So it sounds a little bit similar, but bear with me here. Um, what's something you've learned since you started or recently that you wish you knew a year ago or two years ago that could have solved a problem for you? Kareem, we're waiting. So one of the things that I learned recently is that you can actually use Terraform show to generate some of the boilerplate after importing. And for the longest time, my process around this was essentially to Terraform import a resource that was managed in Terraform 
I think Rob will know as a consultant, you come across a lot of environments that are not managed through Terraform that you eventually help the company Terraform. Uh, and rather than use Terraform show, I would uh, copy paste some of the output and make sure uh, it, it looks good and then do a Terraform plan. Turns out Terraform show can help you with some of that, but I'm hoping that one day we'll have an even better process than that. I have a couple. Um, I actually had one, but then listening to Kareem's answer, it just reminded me of something else. Um, so I'll start off with that one, which is uh, the Terraform FMT command, right? Let me tell you, I am very, very particular about how my code is formatted. Um, and before I knew about this command, I would space and tab to get it all lined up. So you can imagine my amazement when I found out about Terraform FMT or format. I don't know how people are saying it, right? It's, uh, it's another one of those cube cuttle or CTO or whatever. But when I found it, I was just like, holy smokes. Like, how have I been going all these years without this? Uh, and it literally changed my life. Um, and some of the other stuff I've learned, it, it's around Vault, uh, especially in the UI. Um, now, I don't want to give too much away because I'm actually recording a video in a couple of days uh, to show off some of this stuff there. So all I'm going to say is watch this space. I'm going to share it with you. It's coming to YouTube very, very soon. So we should make sure to like and subscribe. That's the one. I think this is an important thing that we need our listeners to chime in and let us know about. How do you say that? Is it FMT? Is it format? Or is it FMT? We'll never know. So we need you to come help us figure it out. Please vote. <laughs> Terraform FMT. <laughs> I like FMT. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it just sounds so much more fun to say than format. You're like, I need to know if my Terraform code looks good. Am I going to say Terraform format? Or am I going to say Terraform FMT? One of them is more fun and results driven. <laughs> okay, <laughs> carrying on forward. <laughs> this this feels similar too. So if it's too similar, we can skip. But um, what are some of your favorite tips and tricks that you've picked up on the job so far that you think practitioners could be using at home? Think of everything as a module. Anything you build in a modular way is going to be easier. As a DA, you build a lot of presentations. So I try to structure mine in a similar format. So if I'm giving an intro to the AWS provider, it will likely have an intro to Terraform. Keeping it modular, I can use that same intro for a GCP provider presentation. Code, similar idea. Um, with your writing, documentation, you know, I have a same type of readme that you can reuse for everything and just make it easy to make the hard things take less time. I think for me, um, it's a toss up. There's, there's a few things out there, but I think I'll probably zone in on this is, um, so I think on like my second day here, um, Eric and Nick introduced me to this really awesome thing uh, called Shipyard Run. Um, and honestly, it has changed my life. I think anytime I'm building a demo or I just want to try something out or, or get to the bottom of an issue, Shipyard gives me something that's repeatable. Uh, it gives me a way of, um, mapping out my, my process and my findings all into documentation as well. Um, I mean, I'm 
I haven't got long, so I can't really explain some of the inner workings of Shipyard, but it, it allows you to create local development environments like I've never seen before and have documentation to go with it. And it becomes kind of live documentation as well. Uh, so yeah, that to me, it's life-changing. I've told all my friends, oh my gosh, you should check this thing out. It's open source and I know the people that created it. And, you know, um, I've had some really good responses from that. So yeah, Shipyard Run, check it out. Yeah, echoing that, I'm just building some shipyard blueprints for demos that I'm working on. And it's so amazing to have a single format that you can use. It's all HCL based. And you just type out the resources you need. No more YAML, nothing. Compose your services without feeling like somebody hurt you. There's nothing wrong with YAML. I just had that in there. We love YAML. Sounds like you found a good way to shuck off the YAML camel. <laughs> okay anyway i'm so sorry <laughs> i had to <laughs> i love bad jokes where's taylor when i need him <laughs> anyway <laughs> so now that you're here which is great and exciting and it's awesome having you on my team what are some of the things that you're most excited to work on coming up i think for me it's working together with folks who work on the other products Right. So I focus on Terraform. Rob focuses on Vault. You focus on Nomad. And getting a chance to work with one another and build something together is super interesting to me. I get a chance to understand your product better. I get to understand what the limitations of my current knowledge are. And as a result, I can improve and hopefully I can show the people I work with something interesting about Terraform. For me, similar to Kareem. Um, so, so I actually got into Vault because of Terraform. Uh, I was coming across like so many Terraform repos that, that clients had where there was all kinds of secrets just sprawled around, some of them even open source, right? So um, getting into Vault was kind of, I would get brought onto a project and they'd say, yeah, we need you to Terraform this or Terraform that. And I say, look, before we even get into all of that, you have some fundamental problems that we need to solve. Um, and this is where Vault came in. So I think being here, the difference between uh, being a developer, developer advocate and being a consultant is people pay me to solve a specific problem as a consultant. And so it kind of pigeonholes me a little bit into Vault. Um, so though I'm a DA that focuses on Vault at the moment, I still work a lot with some of the other products as well. Um, an example of that is I'm giving a talk later on this month at the London Hug, and that's actually not gonna be a Vault talk, it's gonna be a console talk. Um, and a little secret is what I'm about to talk about, I've never done it before, so it's gonna be a learning curve for me, so I'm gonna try it out. And whatever I learn, that's gonna be in my presentation, you know, and we're gonna go on this journey together. So that's the things that I look forward to is this kind of learning in public with, with other people and um, sharing those learnings and learning from people and hoping they can learn from me. Yeah. Being a DA is definitely documentation and learning in public and documented learning. I think those are the three keywords for me as well. To me, it's awesome when a hug member reaches out and is like, Hey, would you like to give a presentation? Sure. What about product X and how it works with Terraform? Cool, I've never worked with product X. Let's uh, let's figure this out and let's build something interesting. And it's super rewarding when you then get the feedback that they actually learned something. 
for sure, for sure. I think there's so much value in being able to share mistakes and what the learning path looks like, because so often in our industry, people tend to show off these polished products and, you know, you get four, maybe four months, maybe 12 months, who knows, of work that's just been condensed into the shiny new project. And it's so important to just kind of share these early learnings, how we got there, the mistakes we're making and make sure that everyone feels welcome in the industry because you're learning. Yay. Anyway, that tangented. My bad. <laughs> I can go first. Well, um, if I've been uh, having a few drinks and uh, I probably said some stuff to my wife that I'm going to regret, then uh, rm-frv for my memory is probably the best command. Um, but if I'm actually on a Linux terminal, uh, it's not actually a command. It's a little trick that um, I found out recently. I, I don't know what this symbol is. You know the, the kind of triangle symbol? So on the UK keyboard, it's uh, it's on the six key. Basically, what the command does is if you run, let's just say, um, like systemctl start or something, and the next time you want to run systemctl status, all you have to do is put that triangle signal start triangle signal whatever the new command is that will swap those words around for you so it will run system ctl status in that sense um try it out i, I figured it out from a, uh, someone i used to work with dan uh, big shout out to dan from storage made easy it's a really cool command favorite command are we talking built-in or are we talking something that i run a lot because i want my code to be better terraform doesn't work by the way whatever you'd prefer I think the one I run most is pre-commit. Just a ton of checks before everything gets pushed to a remote repository and make sure my markdown is good and obviously my code as well. Make sure I'm not uh, committing merge markers or secrets. So for me, it's definitely that one. So we're moving on to our final question, which is a little bit less serious and a little bit more fun. And hopefully it's good enough. But <laughs> if you were the main character in a video game, what genre would it be? Seeing as, you know, I play games, you play games. Hmm. Well, well, it wouldn't be a, uh, a shoot 'em up because I don't want to die. Um, it also wouldn't be a fighting game because uh, I don't want to get beat up. So, I mean, it could be a racing game. Um, I don't really know any characters from racing games, but then I don't want to crash my car. I really like my car. Um, so, main character, Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes, Sonic the Hedgehog, because he has hair that I don't have, and it's blue. Yeah. I don't know if Sonic is like a game genre, but it's cool. We'll go with it. <laughs> uh, I don't care. Me and Sonic, we, we see eye to eye. Zoomy, zoomy, vaulty, vaulty. <laughs> and how about yourself, Kareem? I think for me, the genre would definitely be RPGs. You know, character development, pick up new skills, affect the world around you. Clearly, chaotic good right here. There's definitely a lot of chaos, and I try to do good things. So I think that's pretty much what they mean with that. And then, um, yeah, main character, I guess, uh, yeah, somebody who helps people. 
So definitely not a shoot 'em up. Definitely not uh, something that uh, ends up in violence. Plenty of that already. So you know, do something that affects the world around you in a positive way. And if a game offers that experience, then at least we have it there. So that's all I have for today. Thank you so much, Rob and Kareem, for coming on and sharing a little bit about yourself and your journey so far. Thank you. Thank you for having us. I'm really looking forward to getting to work with both of you more, and we're going to catch you later as future HashiCast hosts. So thanks, everyone, who came to listen today, and I hope all of you have a wonderful day. You've been listening to HashiCast with your host, me, Jackie. Today's guests were Kareem and Rob from HashiCorp. Be sure to tune in next time. Bye.